Hello, Trash Future listeners. Just a quick heads up before this episode starts. We've got a bunch of live shows going on for which there are tickets available. Milo is at Edinburgh Fringe, and there's a link in the show notes to his show, which is going on basically every day this month. Additionally, for our Australia tour, we now have tickets available for the Sydney show. That is on November 10th. It's at the Great Club in Merrickville. There's a link in the show notes. We'll be appearing with friend of the show, special guest, Tom Walker. Additionally, there are still about 30 tickets left for the second night in Melbourne. There's also a link in the show notes for that. And hopefully in the next week or so, I should have a link up for you to purchase tickets for our show in Canberra. That'll be on the night of the 15th of November. So yes, Australian fans, we are in fact inbound in about 100 days. So if you want to see us there, tickets are available. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this free episode of TF. It's the free one. Uh, yes, that's right. Mm. Uh, Milo's still not back. We've just got a soundboard of all the stuff he says. That's right. I think this is the first time I've dialed in for an episode where Riley's been in the studio. So I'm getting the experience of looking through the studio webcam for the first time ever. Mm. Uh, and how is that? It's great. Um, it, ma- it makes you look so small. You can you can see the like big standee of Elon Musk covered mm. in stickers. Yeah. He's normally behind me. Uh, don't 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 give them a peek behind the curtain. This that's the reason the curtain is there. Keep the curtain. Peeking behind the curtain, you <laughs> hogs. However, uh, a fond hello from us to you uh, on 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 this fine day. Um, uh, I got a question though to my friends. Uh-huh. Mm. We're we're back in the trad kingdom. What are our jobs, friends? Oh God, this thread. <laughs> I I hated it less when it was the original. What's your job in the sort of like yogurt advert commune? But now, now mm. it's back in this um, Byzantine tradcast weird combination mm-hmm. posted oh, on no. Twitter. What, what, what would your job be in the trad kingdom? Yeah, the kingdom of mm. tradliness. Yeah, that's right. I mean, my my answer was um, Transylvania. All of us would be churls. <laughs> what's a what's a churl? Like a serf. Um, oh, okay. We we would have no fiefs. We would have uh, like uh, no lands. We, I got we no fiefs. Like, <laughs> we would be like yeah. oafs. We would be peasants. Yeah. We would be serfs. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, All casters are the oafs of the of the. Uh, that is true. I mean, maybe we could be like traveling oafs. Maybe that's our role in like the trad kingdom. After the Republicans get everything they want, and like bring bring out oaf wares to every passing <laughs> settlement. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, I I think I I personally, you know, I I think um. Yeah, there, there's a company of lens grinders in Milan that thinks that you know they can uh, give Christendom access to the heavens, and you know we could release some pamphlets that debunk their uh, outlandish claims. Um, hmm. You, you could, would be a good pamphleteer, that's true. Exactly. Uh, it depends. You know, I mean, if we're if we're talking like fifty, no, do you know what it is? Is fifteen hundreds is far too early modern to be trad? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing the that's thing right. is, it would it would be like very anachronistic because the trad kingdom is. Uh, like 2030s United States, but run on a sort of like Ren Fair basis. Now that all of the like uh, social mores of the of the Middle Ages or the early modern period have been restored, so yeah, y- you would still be like a traveling oaf, but you you would be a traveling oaf working on uh like you know working in a Tesla Gigafactory or whatever. Yeah, yeah. traveling Jersey Shore oaf. 
are you saying we're are you suggest so we're we're gonna bring back like the big pants or the tonsures or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Excellent. your job will still be uh, posting, essentially. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's every every everyone um everyone just is annoyed that I won't shut up about how much I like jigs. I'm a jig purist, <laughs> just obsessed mm. with this one coaching in in Brandenburg that does great jigs. Days That's at his time. It w- it was really funny though because it, if you remember the original sort of uh, communist thread that was like, "What was your job in the com? What would your job in the commune be?" All of the answers to that were cop. Right, because <laughs> that's just how communists are. We just love to become police officers. It happens to us at a certain stage in our mm. lives. Uh, and so if you ask any communist the question, what will your job be after the revolution? It's uh, a cop. In, in this case, mm. they asked a bunch of like neo-reactionary trads what their ideal job would be. And it was like, all of them were like, oh, I'd probably be like a, you know, an eminence grease, a power behind the throne, uh, a trusted advisor of the king, something like yeah. that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, look, the, ki- the king needs someone who's read the Wikipedia page for uh, Prince Machiavelli. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one's yeah. like, I'd be making horseshoes. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I did a bit of research for this question, and I think I came up with like two good answers. The first is that I do not dream of labor. Um, the second... <laughs> Uh, so I don't have a dream job. But the second is if I'm forced to participate in uh, medieval capitalism, then I would like the job of the gong farmer. Um, ah, remember yeah. when the gong farmer was hard. That's right. I feel mm. like, yeah, I feel like, you know, there is a certain nobility with having a job where like your job is to pick up poo and to sure. mm. uh, organize the poo um, and to do so in with silence and with the nobility of like maintaining uh, some type of like uh, excremental order in the kingdom. Yeah. So remember when the gong farmer had a halberd? Yeah, and also like yeah. based on like these kind of little articles that I read on like uh, in preparation for this question, apparently the gong farmer was like the, the gong farmer. The, the gong, gong farmer. farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a good bit. A good <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the gong farmers like were actually like fairly well respected. Not well paid, but well respected among uh, yeah, among medieval societies. So yeah, they're, um, like, they're like nurses, yeah. badly paid, but well respected. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, Interestingly, did you know that they actually uh, they they got the king's pleasure barge to do um to, to do circles in the Thames to honor the coachman? <laughs> how, how is it that the, the, the coachman's guild are getting a are getting a pay rise, and yet the gong farmers are still on fourteen <laughs> shillings a week? <laughs> Look, if you want to ask how, how pray tell, are we all going to uh, find uh, our various uh, dream jobs as uh, traveling churls and gong farmers and, uh, you know, uh, the, um, someone who's just, you know, uh, killed at the king's pleasure on his bar? Yeah, benevolent sort of philosopher advisors, all of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's that, remember how um, uh, last week we were slightly concerned that uh, the... We were going to uh, cause a recession because uh, price controls are, uh, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Would, would not just cause a recession, but cause a recession on purpose, and oh, very hopes yes. that that would like uh, lower inflation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee met, and they looked at the big red button that said, "Warning: Will cause recession. Do not push." And brother, they pushed it. Oh no. It, it, one of those little buttons that has the like clear plastic shield on the top that you have to flip up. Two of them have to like turn keys simultaneously. Y- y- yeah, yeah. They 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 decided and then they fully to fully just pressed it. Yeah, they, they pressed the button. Okay. Uh, what 
what that means is they've raised uh, borrowing rates by like 0.5%, I think, rather than 0.25%. It sounds like a very small difference, but basically what that means is they're just going to chase inflation up with higher borrowing costs uh, more or less forever and have determined that, yes, this is going to put the economy into a recession. Uh, it's going mm. to last about as long as the recession in 2008. So we're not going to return to Which growth had again. No negative consequences. No, not a single one. No, and more no. importantly, not a single political ramification. For example, nothing was sort of reconfigured forever. No institutions mm. had their sort of, I'd say, public legitimacy permanently damaged beyond repair uh, by the sort of the the effects of the 2008 recession, where the state looked at you uh, and looked at sort of the fact that it was no longer able to like perform its democratic mandate of well why do we want why do we why would we buy into this you know wh- everything that's happening right if it's not really going to make us w- w- better off uh, and just said uh fuck you uh you get nothing um, well what, what what you get is uh hopefully a slightly less high inflation rate so you know <laughs> it, it it won't be as catastrophically expensive to buy all of your stuff however it will still be catastrophically expensive yeah it's gonna be, look. It's gonna be stuff you can't afford, but not buy as much. Well, okay, in maybe ten the, years. The, the thing is, the important thing is, um, if you can't afford to buy a loaf of bread, right? That's better than being able to afford it, but having to bring the money for it in a wheelbarrow, because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be too silly looking. Yeah, you'd be um, laughed at by all the other oafs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the, this go- is, the gong farmer would point at you. Uh, yeah. While you're while you're carrying your wheelbarrow of cash and, like, your, and your bow tie, oh no, that's one of the most respected members of my community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so this and so this is this is from a Q and A with Andrew Bailey from the the MPC. Uh, the question was: Are there any scenarios that are not catastrophic for the least well off and also pretty devastating even for average earners? To which he said, "The bank is very conscious that the poorest are hit hardest by inflation." Um, but if we, and if we don't bring it back to target, it's going to get worse, and it'll get worse precisely for those who are least well off. However, he added that he has huge. Si- so it's basically it's like, look, it, it's fucked either way. Basically, is what he says. Mm. So he says if he he has huge sympathy and huge understanding for people who are struggling most with this. Um, and <laughs> and it says I'm afraid, and and it says that it, it's it we're basically have to reduce consumption already when people are already consuming. Kind of the bare minimum, nothing uh, yeah, to get by. Yeah, th- this is the mm. sort of thing that it, it, in the trad kingdom, the guy who had Andrew Bailey's job, the guy who was like in charge of monetary policy, would be telling the king, "Okay, now is the point at which you know the peasants are going to have to eat some grass over this." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you can't say that. So instead, you have to say, "Oh, well, we're between the devil and the deep blue sea. We're between mm. inflation." And uh, uh, like cost of living, I guess. And, 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 like and, he is and, right that there is no like better option if you are going to have an economy constituted the way that we have one. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's just you might start asking dangerous questions, like, well, why do we have an economy constituted the way that we have one? And and I mean, I think if the the comparisons between this uh, this present moment in two thousand eight. I think are quite appropriate to make because um, if we're starting to talk about a recession that um, might not be as deep as in 2008, but will probably be as long, everyone is starting, or the vast majority of people are starting from a much it's more about much, depth than length, That's much, much <laughs> yeah. worse position, right? 
the, 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 the people who are least able to bear a recession are starting with less. Um, so, you know, I think that the, if you want yeah, to think about it, they're on their this, prestige of recession now. So they've done it, one. And if you, if you want to think about like, how long did it really take for the political ramifications of the 2008 recession to become clear? You know? Uh, too soon to tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. Was that Zhu Enlai? I believe so. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, or apocryphally. I, 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 I'm on yeah. a sort of lifelong quest to reference that quote in as many podcast episodes as I can. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but uh, the thing is, it's we can say too soon to tell, but we can also say, like I sort of alluded to earlier, um, the idea that you know these um, these long-standing uh, uh, sort of liberal institutions that were sort of you know products of the um, products of of the sort of the mid 20th century or or sort of inherited from earlier these these things that are supposed to keep everything running um, these things where, that where are, it's where it's so important that uh, a public faith in them remains uh, strong um, these these are the faith in these institutions is going to erode much further. Yeah, well, I think my my serious answer is about eight years, right? That yeah. that that's that's your gap between mm. the financial crisis in two thousand and eight and the year when politics became uh, normal, twenty sixteen, yeah. <laughs> the year yeah, that it's yeah. been every year since then. Um, so oh, yeah, I, yeah, I I think maybe you know foolish to predict anything like this, but you know. Yeah, hey, ask me in eight years' time if I'm yeah. not like some charred bones, um, and I, and if the politics are even worse than now in a way that seems like a step change, mm -hmm. then I'll be like, ah, oh, that's because of that episode of the podcast I recorded. Uh, <laughs> incidentally, do you have Before any food? electricity ceased to be a thing? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I will fully be looking like uh, you know one of the sort of scavengers, one of the raiders in the road. Um, mm -hmm. But so, if you get the chance to ask me that question before I like hack off some of your limbs for meat, then you know mm. it's because of this. It's because of this right now. Yeah, it's because of it's of this happening now. And the thing is, I mean, if you want to sort of pull back a little bit further, right? I mean, what's happening? What the one of the reasons that um, that two thousand eight happened was quite was was that this overextension of uh, of, of credit and power to a deregulated banking industry that we assumed would just sort of Solve a lot of issues, and then you know the, some music stopped, and then everything fell apart. Uh, a lot of yeah, that being because because we, yeah. we wanted them to lend like crazy, and now uh, we also want them to lend like crazy because we're you know we're mm -hmm. raising interest rates. So, and our leaders bravely ask, "What if the music never stopped?" Has anyone <laughs> yeah. considered that? Uh, but in, and, and I mean, in this case, right? Instead of instead of a global crisis, I mean, it, there is a sort of a a global crisis that's happening is just very acute in Britain because our political institutions are essentially just set up like a gigantic target for this sort of thing. Yes. Uh -oh. Yeah. Uh, where, if you remember, right? If if you can think that if instead of instead of banks in the previous crisis, it, it's sort of you know energy companies in this crisis. Um, if you think about the fact that it, it's that we deregulated the energy sector to the point where a couple of guys just had a go. At starting an energy company, forgot to hedge any of their prices, and so then went out of business at the cost of I think sixty pounds a person per year. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Well, that's, it's kind that, of indicative of thing. where we are. That, that's the thing, right? And I, I think this speaks to to what you're talking about. It didn't have to be this way. We we mm. weren't sort of like forced yeah. into this this position of being like unusually vulnerable to this crisis. 
uh, by you know geography or destiny or anything like that. Like we chose mm. to, well, our politicians, our politicians chose to uh, remove all of our gas storage. But like in general, like uh, we have a lot of renewable energy. Um, we mm. could have had a lot of nuclear energy if we'd wanted to. We're that, not very what, dependent. Be like the French. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not very dependent on Russian energy, even when the climate gets extreme. It still doesn't get extreme by European standards yet. There's all sorts of ways in which we could have made this so much easier on ourselves, and we sort of deliberately, perversely chose not to. Mm. Mm. Well, it's. It's not even the British just that we... way. The uniquely British position on the world, which has enabled us to be a world leader for so many years. <laughs> we <laughs> and, don't and take I mean, the we... easy route, Alice. Yeah, that's right. Positioning yeah. my dick and balls directly over the big mechanized boxing glove that I'm cranking up on a big spring. <laughs> Government by nasty the horse. Surely, <laughs> yeah. surely this won't happen a forty-fifth time. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you know, this is the thing. I think that. That I wanted to sort of, I want to draw attention to a couple of things, which is just the, if you look at the chart of, of rates since 2008, I mean, where it's sort of at six around 2008 and then just basically has to be below one forever or this happens, you know, mm. Mm. it is risen by not that fucking much in order to cause a gigantic fucking catastrophe. Yeah, it's still under 2%, right? Yeah. So- I mean, the question is, will it stay there? Do we expect it to stay there? All that stuff. But the fact that this. That there was so, and this is what I think comes back to like, it's, it might not be technically as damaging as the previous recession, but distributionally, the people who kind of matter most have the least, um, or at least don't matter most, you know, morally in a sense, like politically, if you care about democracy and so on and so on. Mm. Um, and so just the fact that we were, I mean, the, the story of, of, of the sort of you know, Anglo-American economies since you know, 1980, 1997, whenever you want to start counting, is basically just finding out how close to the bone you can run everything. You know, if, yes. How how little give can we have while just keeping this going for one more fucking spin of the of the uh, uh, a roulette wheel, essentially. And mm. we just we just kept going. We pulled out all the kerplunk guys, and there was it, the ball was balancing on one kerplunk stick. Which was yeah, and, interest and the rates being nothing. Plunk stick was Vladimir Putin. <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! I think the Kerplunk, the name of the Kerplunk stick was zero percent interest rates forever. Because <laughs> if no one has anything and nothing is expected to work, they can't really have much much in the way of an interest rate. And we had one. We had we had we mm. had nothing, which basically meant like the economy. We could sort of imagine an economy into being kind of like mm. a dreamer. Right, yeah. and the product of that and, and was this, we get this allowed we various like scoop, uh, like various goofs, uh, yeah. Australian money farmers uh, infiltrating yeah. the halls of power, all of this stuff. Um, yeah. Speaking and- of Vladimir Putin, did we did we see Uri Geller uh, issuing a threat to Vladimir Putin yesterday? Good lord, what's he going to do? What if his is he going to bend? Well, this is the thing. So Uri Geller was saying, like, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin, if you if you fire nuclear weapons at the United Kingdom, it will not work because he's going like, to di- conjure a force field into being that will cause them to go wrong. And he was inviting the people of Britain to join him in this endeavor. But so then I was obviously like Vladimir Putin with growing horror, pouring himself a bowl of cereal and discovering every spoon in his drawers bent. <laughs> uh, look, here's the thing. This is this is all politics. This is all I'm, I'm tired of politics. Boo politics. Uh, I want to talk about soul machines. Okay. You're grinning at me. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I, I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. Why are you grinning at me? Because Soul Machines is asking you three and you at home to say hello to digital people. I say hello to digital people all the time and they just get mad at me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that you can create your digital workforce, the workforce of the future. It's digital people. Is it The Sims? <laughs> yeah, what, what if all your employees were Sims? More, more yeah. or less. What if they just went, uh, oh, and then there was a picture of a football above their head? <laughs> you consider uh, that. Keep that in mind. Hmm. Uh, you know, so, build the future. So, I, I, I'm, I've, gotten, I've got Soul Machines in, in front of me. This, this is the startup. It's called Soul Machines. Say hello to digital people. Uh, I'd like everyone to please navigate to uh, soulmachines.com, including you at home. Uh, and o just uh, open our textbooks yeah. here. Just look at some of the um, new humans, the humans of tomorrow that are not being created. Great, Riley. <laughs> not great. Uh, sort of what do you like think? last gen console tech demo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's a little. There's something of the project Milo about it. Yeah, I was gonna say, and I was saying like off the, um, before we were recording that it reminds me a lot of like. Final, the first Final Fantasy movie where the film was really bad, but like they marketed as like this is advanced animation and all the characters like look like yeah. real humans, and it was just like very unsettling to watch. And when I look at these, it's like yeah, in all cases, there's like I'm looking through like the use cases. Of oh yeah, I, the I see one. And yeah, there is one where they talk about um, so there's a section called lifelike thinking, and this comes in the use case for financial services, and. Like there is a gif of um, one of the soul machine women who kind of like there is one section where she just gives off this very evil smirk. And I'm just oh. kind of like, you know, this is the smirk that someone would give me as they tell me that like, I can't afford to pay my mortgage and I'm going to be homeless. Yeah. And also the doors are already sealed. I So I, I see another use case here, which is... Um, uh, you can get customer insights in a powerful new way with your new digital customer experience officer. And what this is, is it presents you the data that you gather from your customers. Mm -hmm. um, and then this uh, this digital woman tells you it in the form of a, like, a, a sort digital of a fake... Digital woman. <laughs> in the form of, like, a fake, um, right. uh, like, video call. Mm -hmm. And wh what they've done here is they've invented the sort of, like, traditional... SimCity advisors again. Um, <laughs> you just have a little fake person to talk to who says, uh, mm -hmm. you can't cut funding, you'll regret this, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you'll this regret is essentially, this, you will rue! <laughs> so essentially, what, this, what we have is we have a, a company that creates what it considers to be you know, like lifelike animations of people with what they it calls a... Will I am. It, with, with, well, that's not the only celebrity they did. I'll get to that well, one later. Well, more like Will I'm not. Yeah. Uh, is is that it is it is an animation of a person from the shoulders up, and uh, they are they so they have this sort of deep AI that is supposed to be a digital brain where they can react and talk empathetically to anyone talking to them. So if you smile at them, they'll kind of mirror your expression. Um, so you're sort of tries to trick you into thinking you're talking to a real person, and they Ooh. and they can also according and according to the ad copy, not just do that, but they can like perform tasks. So, in an interview about the digital workforce, this is what the co-founder said. At some point in the future, you might be able to create a digital version of yourself or multiple versions of yourself 
and they can go out and do stuff, make money for you, make money for your company. Well, you're doing something else that's a whole lot more fun. So that's the idea is that you uh, you can take your you can make a digital twin that looks exactly like you. Go send oh, them to work double. at the spreadsheet factory. But then they're only working also with other digital twins and for your boss's digital twin. I So mm. I, it's a good thing that this does not work, right? Because if this if this worked like the the way that they market it, that would raise some serious ethical quandaries. Luckily, it doesn't raise any serious ethical quandaries because this is bullshit. Well, that's the and that's the thing. When I when I found this, when I found this company, I was like, "Wow, this is very." I, I, no, I'm going to save that for a sec. Because because the website is like basically like. Hey, check this out. These these are real people, and also they're like your slaves. Um, and you know you can you can accrue more of them to serve you. And it's like n- no, that's not what it is. What it is is you've put a, a sort of a tech demo face on at best a chatbot, right? But the the vibe from the marketing of this is very much like uh, you can you can sort of like exercise dominion over these very real these souls these people. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's Detroit become human shit is what it well, is. I was going to say what it really is is it's 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 an opportunity for a middle manager to have the ex- or at least it's pitched as the opportunity. Oh, there's a cop one. There's a cop one. If you go to use cases, public sector, <laughs> oh, there's a cop no. one. <laughs> well, it, what it is, it's an opportunity for middle managers to have the experience of being like a great Viking warrior and having thralls follow you into Valhalla. They actually. Um, they 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 got New Zealand police to sign up to this for their non-emergency number. You can talk to Ella, have a who Robocop. is who is quite literally a Robocop. Yes. Um. So it says uh, they say what is it? So see digital people see through the camera, allowing their digital brain to react to facial expressions and mannerisms and respond respond accordingly in real time. <laughs> digital brain. They hear. Through the microphone and their digital brain instantly See, again, processes. It's trying so response. hard to make you think that this is a person and like empathize with them on the one hand, being like, oh, they basically have a soul. Uh, you know, if you hurt their feelings, they will start crying. Uh, but on the other hand, w- we actually make it extremely easy to abuse them. Abuse of our digital staff will not be tolerated. <laughs> no, it'll be encouraged. This is this is like sort of mm. Like the the vibe of this is sadism, really. I think somehow can... it'd be I think somehow it'd be worse if you like did abuse one of the soul like machine uh, avatars, and because the whole kind of selling point, as far as I can see, with them is that like they are there, unlike your kind of like bland avatars that you know um sort of either have like a monotone expression or they kind of just smile all the time. These ones are supposed to sort of show you a range of emotions, which means that in theory you could hurt the emotions of a soul machine by telling them that it really sucks that they're going to be made homeless and being and being told about it by an avatar. And that will well, stop know, you from doing it because you'll have to think about the soul machine's mental health. Well, so, you know some of is? the use it's, cases of this go to not just financial services, not just you know refusing your mortgage or kicking you out of your house, mm. but to, as we've seen, cops, uh, to healthcare, to education, education. even... There's there's a lot of sort of use cases here where you're going to be interacting with people who are highly stressed and mm. often uh, the the job here, which you know I sort of feel quite ambivalent about taking away from a human, mm. is uh, you know telling people things that you, they do not want to hear, telling them that you cannot help them, mm. uh, and so you know maybe on the one hand this is sort of a digital punch bag for people to you know 
this thing tells you that you know tells you what your hospital bill is going to be and you know you cry and it perceives that and a person doesn't have to which is actually way more fucked and like isolating in the long run well, it mm. perceives that and appears to empathize with you. Yes. Again, according to the according to the copy, this is what yeah, they say it does. Yeah, because we have like engineered out the like yep. a necessity of empathizing with anyone because that was mm. you know making uh, people who did have to do these jobs very sad. Yeah, this does this does basically feel like a way of being like, well, we're not going to like we we understand that you want to speak to humans and we understand that we you want to have interactions with people that like you can relate to, but instead of doing that, we're going to we're going to take different iterations of Milo from Xbox and, <laughs> uh, and, and give them emotions so that when you shout at them, as they keep repeating your parcel number, you can see that they're getting sad and that'll yeah. make you feel really good. Would, would you like to feel more lonely? Because you can now only ever speak to a fake person. What, what we have done is we have, like, like in Silence of the Lambs, we have draped Clippy in a human skin suit. (laughs) There's going to come a point at which you're sort of, uh, you know, pouring your heart out to one of these things, and you're like, can I speak to a real person? And it's going to call you racist for calling a person a real person. (laughs) Uh, So I have a more list of what it can do. I have a bigger list of what (laughs) it can do. Touch. They can feel the intent of the user through a touch screen and are able to interact with virtual objects. So you can sort of touch them and they'll react I, to a touch screen. I, I like that even less in the now, context. Now of, you can sexually think. assault an AI. Yeah. Think. Yeah. In a conversation, one. digital people can imagine potential outcomes, weigh criteria, and make decisions about what to say next. Uh, this is where it very much gets to being like, we, they definitely have a soul. Yeah. Uh, learn. They can learn through interaction with the world and understand human emotions through facial expression, tone of voice, and show empathy. That's the important one, of course. Dude, when I you know look at the actual who can't do that shit. Come on. <laughs> when you look at the um, when you look at the industries that it's in, as you all pointed out, like like uh, either like healthcare, uh, financial services, education, being a like public sector, yeah, being yeah. RoboCop, yeah, like there are a lot of people. It's basically it's just there to empathize with the we, fact that nothing can we, be done for you. We gave Robocop anxiety. <laughs> Why did we do that? In addition Robo-cop to speech. Robocop with imposter syndrome. Yeah. In addition to speech, digital people understand how to communicate with their faces. They can express attentiveness, openness, thoughtfulness, and optimism. Uh, intuitive behaviors and enhanced expressions allow digital people to autonomously add emotionally appropriate eye contact and have more depth in their emotions. Sexy eye um, contact. Mm. Yeah. So for, here's an example where it says, yeah, Florence, for example, had a decent facial mimicking feature. This is a journalist writing about it. When I smiled at her, she smiled back and it was a lovely, genuine looking smile that actually endeared me to her. And that's Great. how you know uh, she wasn't a real yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, like, this is the thing. This is so e- like the, the, the weak link of that interaction is you, the human, we, we we fucking pair bond with anything. We love to do it. You stick a pair of googly eyes on a kettle, and we will get sad because what if the kettle feels sad? <laughs> what if the kettle's too hot? Yeah, it doesn't require any kind of like technological innovation to make us yeah, empathize it, with something. It, we do it, it for free. It also feels kind of counterintuitive because like. Um, and this is only obviously it's only based on anecdotes, but I feel like most people kind of care a lot about they they're very good at like anthropomorphizing things, and they care a lot mm. about like the stuff that we do. But they hate they fucking hate humans. Like I don't understand like 
this be either the premise or even like the concept that like oh when people interact with like things that look like them uh in digital space that like the, the um and as long as they kind of, and and the more they look like you know the person they're talking to uh the more kind of human and interaction will be like there is no example of like where that has ever come into whether where, where like that has ever been proven and if anything like people love abusing other people that they have no like human obligation to like if any mm. like if the kind of like if dating apps and like or any real type of app is kind customer of like service us, customer service in particular right like if they've proven anything it's like no actually people really love fucking like venting and mm. like trying to abuse other people but often out as an mm. expression of powerlessness but if you remember this isn't also this isn't just for that right it's also for stuff like being your digital customer experience officer it's supposed to be it's supposed to try and take a lot of these these communicative jobs and trying to say, what if we just automated them like yeah. we automated the McDonald's? Italian customer um, experience officer. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? Give me, give me the fucking robot if it can solve my problem. But usually they can't. However, we've also reached a point where like, usually the people can't solve the problem either because they've turned them into robots. Because like, when you deal with most of these customer services department, everyone is reading off a script. And so if you're trying to resolve a problem that doesn't follow the script, people are like, um, I'm afraid that's not what I have written on the card. You're like, okay, can I speak to a human higher up the food chain who isn't operating from a pre-written set of scripts? Can I, can I speak to a human who's allowed to like exercise autonomous thoughts? Yeah. Well, I, I think that the, um, one, of the, one of the other things there is this, this is definitely attempting to be about much more than customer service. It's trying to replace, it's trying to take what automation and outsourcing did for much of the uh, labor force and do it for the um, right, you, for much of the sort of physical labor force and do it for the uh, white collar, uh, sort of fake job, spreadsheet guy, um, marketing uh, analyst, yeah. uh, labor well, it's, force. It's, it's, oh, no, it's they're very, coming it's very... from management consultants. Yeah. Well, it's very timely in, in our current age of uh, it feels like half the people have just disappeared uh, due to... Uh, you know, a combination of a bunch of people dying of COVID and a bunch of people becoming uh, disabled because of COVID and also a bunch of people being forced out of the economy and outside of the wire, outside of Fiddler's Green uh, and outside of our sight and, you know, more and more atomization. Um, so it, it, it's great because now we don't have to worry about this because you can you can get it from a sim instead. Mm. And, and it's it a doesn't sim. work. It's a sim that uh, we're going to save the verdict for the end. Uh, it's, it's a sim, a sim. that has what's called a digital brain with cognitive modeling, it where it's all of this stuff is supposed brain. to heavily imply that this is basically a person, as far as you're concerned, who is going to be able. Brain is it doesn't have a digital <laughs> brain. Um, and would okay, so uh, let's let's that th this is the killer paragraph of what I've read. Right, it says. Well, Soul Machines has a clear, this is from TechCrunch, has a clear outline of the ways it can enhance the future of, for example, customer experience. It still has a ways to go to get the tech where it needs to be. The digital people uh, that are now in the market are essentially visual chatbots. There we go. <laughs> yeah, there it is. We've oh my draped Clippy in human it. skin. You know, yeah. great. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. They seem to only be able to answer scripted questions uh, in a fra phrased in a specific way and have a few responses that they just cycle through. So it's not just that. It's an Oblivion NPC. It would, it would be like 
fine. What wouldn't be fine? I would still have all of my other objections. But if they had marketed it on that basis, like, oh, we made very nice looking chatbots that all like allow you to, you know, have have a sort of pleasant visual experience while you get all of this shit. Fine. Whatever. Why is all of the marketing for this like um it it's it has a it feels it joy and it, I can it tell experiences you why, beauty. Uh, why? I can tell you exactly why the marketing why? marketing is led like this. It's from the next par- paragraph in the article I was reading. Hmm. The funding it was led by new investor SoftBank. There we go. <laughs> That's okay. gonna be why. Asked and answered. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we've seen a SoftBank company like really step up to the plate with just some absolute fucking madness. And I. The thing is, right, I could duplicate or improve upon every result that they claim to be achieving with this by sticking a pair of googly eyes on a self-checkout machine. You put a little name label on the self-checkout machine that says, you know, hi, I'm Robert, or whatever. Exactly the same, if not better, response. Mr. And, Robert uh, checkout machine. Yeah, exactly. And and yet, I am not being given Series A funding by SoftBank. You know, which though, to me is an injustice. The checkout machines, when they get too human, are a bit unnerving. So I don't know if you've experienced the ones they have in the Sainsburys, because what happens is throughout the checkout process, the Sainsburys checkout machine will talk to you in kind of like robot voice, like "Please scan an item." And then Mm. suddenly, right at the very end of the process, when you're done, it changes voice into like Cockney Aunt Brass and goes, do you want a receipt? (laughs) And it it fucks me up every time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, do you want a receipt? So we we have that's I mean, that's part of the answer, right? Is that uh, SoftBank has come up with this thing. Um, Another thing that it's saying is that like. And you can sort of see them slowly de-emphasizing this from a lot of their copy. But for a while, they were like, this is the workforce of the metaverse. A fake place with no one in it that we're populating with fake people (laughs) um, who are going to be doing all of the bullshit jobs for you, but you don't have to pay them. It's kind of a strange, like, backwards solution to a lot of the um, a lot of the sort of, you know, standard problems of capitalism, right? Where it's like, well... What if all of the workers, we've sort of recognized that most of the, a lot of the workers are sort of, you know, surplus, like, like man- managerial overproduction at this point. So we're just going to, we're just going to like let them create a digital version of themselves that's going to like, where one just sort of takes uh, papers and puts them in the in tray and then one puts them back in the out tray and they just pass them back and forth 24 hours a day forever. Um, but the problem, it sort of misses the point that the point of a lot of that work is just to keep those people busy. Hmm. Um, and, and and so the idea just that like the idea that this was going to be a primarily metaverse first thing instead of like a sort of you know mostly now a chatbot thing that mostly exists in the normal world um, it's just it's so I think I think it's quite perfect for just encompassing the strange abstraction that that whole sort of three months I think where that was like the future uh, was was meant to be. Uh, uh, we're just going to populate this like Second Life. We're going to populate the whole thing with bots and then like four perverts. Hmm. Um, but they did have one one press release that I wanted to talk about. This is released on June seventh of last month, of two months ago rather. June seventh of two months ago. Perfect. Soul Machines, the groundbreaking company pioneering the creation of autonomously animated digital people in the metaverse and digital worlds of today, announced the launch of a new entertainment division with the goal of creating unique and highly personalized experiences. Redefining fan engagement at entertainment enterprise. Um, and this is so what this is after they got their funding from SoftBank, they did this. 
Hmm. The new the new division will launch its inaugural digital person, an avatar of legendary American golfer Jack Nicklaus. <laughs> you have wow. selected power drive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Come on, you guys you guys missed Lee Carvalho. Yeah. Um, so much. Yeah. With this launch, Soul Machines continues its quest to redefine the future of digital entertainment with hyper-realistic digital twins of real-life celebrities, entertainers, and public figures. Oh, so Avatars- that's why Will I am. Okay. I demand Avatars Michael like- Barrymore. Put Michael Avatars Barrymore like- in there. Digital Jack Nicklaus depicts Jack at the age of 38, the height of his playing career. Let <laughs> me can- tell you something about digital Jack Nicklaus. <laughs> I don't know what Jack Nicklaus sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, it's Jack so Lemon. I'm doing Jack Nicholson instead. <laughs> yeah. Digital Jack has the ability to provide a range of user Digital experiences Jack by is answering a website. <laughs> Digital Jack has the ability to provide a range of user experiences You're by yeah, jacks.com. Oh, it's weird. It's it's they've called him Jackmate. Anyway, uh, Jackmate has the ability to provide off? a range of user experiences <laughs> by answering questions from fans, providing insight based on more than 60 years of memories. So essentially what they did is they asked him a few questions and then like put those into a chatbot. And so if you ever, if, and so mostly what happens if you ask like an, an off kilter question to a chatbot, they'll just deflect. So you can just like, I don't know, pay what, like $10 for a virtual meet and greet with like a 38 year old version of an almost dead professional yeah. golfer. Yeah. And you can hear so cool all the classic you. Jack Nicklaus phrases like the golf, you can't <laughs> handle the golf. <laughs> it's 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 so cool that you can't even die anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're famous, uh, like if you've ever been recorded on anything for for film, or you know, yeah, your personality, your likeness can just be redeployed to do whatever. I, I like that. I think yeah, that's, that's cool. Right. Jack Nicholas yeah, has been sent to the Donbass. Yeah, it's, it's again like if this actually w- was more than just what ap- what it appears to be, which is a chatbot with the Final Fantasy spirits within animations, Mm. then, yeah, you would be confined to a sort of unlife. However, what it seems to be mostly offering is a kind of hall of presidentization, but for uh, everyone who's... Who's been well, able not, to give not, them like not to not to get to Zizek here, but I I find the Hall of Presidents is itself a kind of unlife. Uh, I, <laughs> I I find I find anything I find it creepier than something that was sentient. The <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> sort of like a, that that you know now he belongs to the ages kind of immortality. I really don't like it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's um, I think that it, there, there's this there is this this sense um. You know, I mean, like, number one, they're also resurrecting people, right? They're going to bring back Marilyn Monroe. Uh, so you're going to be able oh, to get to, like... leave her alone. I'm not... I don't even like her that much. But, like, the at some point, the obsession with Marilyn Monroe that we just kind of, like, kicked back into gear in the last couple of years is... It's downright perverse. Well, I mean, don't, don't forget, really what they're going to do, of course, is they're going to... Uh, make you're gonna basically like go into like an a, a ca- an RPG character creator, yes. make a Marilyn Monroe looking face that is essentially very scary for to look on for more than a few seconds, uh, and then if you, you're gonna be like, hey, what's your favorite thing to sing? And it will be like, happy birthday, Mister President, and <laughs> then you know you've paid your ten dollars to you know do your meet and greet with, with virtual Marilyn Monroe. It's, it, it's macabre. I insist yeah. that this is macabre. Also, but I, I would we can't even do macabre well. Mm. It's sort of too. It's it's sort of too um ham handed and sort of shitty. <laughs> it's 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 kind of like 
It's 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 like a kind of budget haunted house that's asking to be taken very seriously. Mm, but like yeah. you can see the di- that the Wolfman's wearing a digital wristwatch and he's kind probably like high, hmm. you know. Mm. Anyway, that is uh, Soul Machine. Smoke that shit now. I'm the digital Wolfman. <laughs> oh, oh uh, sorry, I have one more one one more uh, uh, paragraph. If a user asks a question that's not easy to answer, this is uh, Viola, one of the people that a journalist talked to. Uh, Viola will provide a standard deflection or she'll respond in ways that are surprising if certainly not intended. For example, I asked Viola, why do you look sad? And she responded by pulling up a YouTube video of I'll stand by you by the pretenders. (laughs) I I sure love these Viola delights. I hope they don't have Viola ends. (laughs) It's so uh, that's sort of what wh- where we are, right? You go meet Jack Nicklaus, and then he'll <laughs> sort of he'll sort of open his mouth two or three times to say something, and then you know pull up a video of uh pull up a video of Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. Yeah, yeah, uh, ah, the future. I'm Isn't quite it impressed with the pretenders. To be honest, Viola has quite good taste. I was expecting uh, a more see, pedestrian. See choice. the pair bonding; it happens so easily. Shit, fuck. Yeah. Already you think already you think that the uh, the, the the Cockney brass from the uh, 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 <laughs> self checkout machine is sort of endearing. Mm. You'd like to see the self checkout machine on a soap opera. I've got such a <laughs> soft spot for Cockney brasses; they just remind me of my aunts. <laughs> well, um, with all that being said, uh, I want to say I think that does it about does it for us for today. Uh, but we will see you on the bonus episode, and moreover, uh, thank you to my lovely co-hosts for being here thank you to you for listening and uh then (laughs) also i'm sorry we no longer have any tickets to the edinburgh show the edinburgh show you can't come to it sold out (laughs) you can't come (laughs) no you can't nothing you have to you you have now everyone is it's now no fap uh no coming to the edinburgh show Mm -hmm. Uh, no coming in the edinburgh show listening to the recording of the edinburgh show and coming yeah, none of that. None of that. Uh, right. And Australia dates. Uh, we are mm. adding a second night in Brisbane. Brisbane, Brisbane. We are. That is right. We have filled the room in Brisbane, uh, but we have another mm. one. Another one. We Thank found you, Milo. Two rooms in a large city. That's yeah. right. Against all odds, two we found two rooms in Brisbane. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, we've uh, we have that. We also have tickets on sale soon for Sydney and Canberra. And if we haven't sold out the second night in Melbourne, then we still have that second night in Melbourne. Yeah. And also, Melbourne. there's Milo. Milo's got a show in Edinburgh. Yeah. If you're if you're coming to Edinburgh, if you're in and if you're nearby Edinburgh, um, you can see me every day at the Mash House four thirty five. The show is called Voicemail. Um, it's, uh, I, I had a bunch of comedians in today, which was very nice. And, um, a, a couple of them have texted me to tell me that they hate me because the show is very good. So that's, you know, that's the greatest compliment you can receive. Oh, absolutely. Your, your haters give you energy. Yeah. Uh, so all that being said, we'll see you on the bonus. Bye, Rune. Bye. Bye. Bye.